Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 8 of the 2024 podcast series where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And I'll tell you what, week one, lots of fireworks. We finally have that in the books. College football season is off and running. And I'll tell you what, we started the weekend off with Colorado pulling off a meteoric upset over TCU, over 80 brand-new players wearing the, the white the gold and the black prime getting the job done taking down TCU number 17 ranked TCU this was a team that look they were the national runner-up a season ago but this is not the same team you have to replace your top two running backs Kendra Miller one of those you have to replace three receivers including Quentin Johnson you're replacing Max Duggan at quarterback and then on the defensive side of the football there really wasn't any pass rush you had Dylan Horton, you had D. Winters putting pressure on the quarterback a season ago, and then you had Trey, uh, Trey Hodges Tomlinson on the back end of the defense, obviously no longer there as well. And so this was a completely different team, really led by Johnny Hodges and Jamoy Hodge, really struggling to put consistent pressure on the quarterback, on Shadur Sanders. And look, Shadur Sanders has really emerged. He and Travis Hunter both have emerged in the Heisman discussion never really on the radar completely because of the fact that Colorado was not expected to win very many games just because of so many new additions. But I'll tell you what, of all the teams that had all the new additions coming through the transfer portal, Colorado, good Lord. Shadur Sanders, 38 of 47, 510 yards, four touchdowns. This was the guy that you saw just the precision, precision passing, his ability to manipulate the pocket and really read the defense and put the ball where he needed to for his receivers. Travis Hunter playing over 120 plays, had 11 receptions for 119 yards, an incredible interception, making a tremendous break on the football, then that diving pick. Uh, you know, I think with, with Travis Hunter, he's only a sophomore, uh, but man, he's really a special, special talent. Can he keep up this level of play uh, the entire season? I mean, we saw Shohei Otani being able to, to pitch and hit. We've seen also what the wear has done to his, his body, that, that elbow surgery, a second uh, UCL injury possibly having to have another Tommy John uh, you worry about guys being able to play both sides of the football if he plays over 120 plays in every single game then, then you start worrying about Travis Hunter and, and that overall health yes youth is on his side but at some point something's got to give um, but that said Shadur Sanders again the, the precision passing the, the ability to look off the safety and, and then fire a target you know man coverage one-on-one -on -one, take advantage of the matchups um you know i thought that was exceptional you know he didn't really look to run we know that he's a good athlete but he didn't really need to leave the pocket the manipulation within the pocket you saw the athleticism there the arm strength is absolutely there being able to make the throws to all three levels of the field this is a guy he's a junior remember he did play two years there at jackson state so this is his, maybe his first real action in fbs play but man this is a three-year third-year starter uh, you know, with with his dad, with, with Dion, and uh, he's a guy that's definitely emerged in the Heisman conversation. And then this is also a draft where the number three quarterback is really up up for grabs. You know, I think you know we'll talk about Michael Penix Jr. and the performance that he had there at Washington. Um, you know, I think obviously uh, you know Riley Leonard with a, a stamp. We'll talk about Duke here in just a second as well. Um, but uh, you know, Bo Nix is going to be in that conversation. There are going to be a lot of guys that are going to be vying for that number three quarterback spot. And I'll tell you what, Shadur Sanders with that performance has definitely moved into that consideration. But here's the thing. He's got, what, $3.8 in NIL money coming. 
and he has a chance to play another year with not only his dad, but with Travis Hunter, who basically Dion has called his other son. So would he pass up on the chance to play again with his dad and with Travis Hunter? And look, he'll be able to play, say that you know he played an FCS play, and then in the Pac-12, and then moving on to the Big 12. So he'll have three different, you know, I mean, when you look at the, the, the tape, he'll have matchups against three different conferences. So, I mean, that's something that not a whole lot of quarterbacks would be able to say either. So I think from a development standpoint, it may behoove him to come back for another year. But, man, that was one heck of a, pre, uh, of a, of a coming out party, if you will, in the Pac-12 with Shudor Sanders. And then the weekend closed with Duke and an impressive upset win over Clemson. And I'll tell you what, Riley Leonard was a story. Yes, he was 17 to 30, 33, 175 yards. You know, uh, the receivers didn't really give him any favors. He was dropping, you know, they were dropping some passes, but you saw the, the velocity on, on the football. You saw his ability to escape in the pocket. I mean, come on, that, that 40, 45 yard run that he had. Um, ultimately, Barrett, Barrett Carter was there, had a chance to wrap him up, and he was able to muscle his way through that down the sideline, ends up scoring. Uh, you know, Riley Leonard, look, you know, when you talk about completion percentage, um, this wasn't his best game. I think the receivers, Obviously, Jalen Calhoun especially had, had a few drops. Jordan Moore, I think, had one as well. Uh, needed to, to get some help there from that receiver position. But, um, you know, you look at, at – uh, you always go back to Anthony Richardson now with this discussion about accuracy. Anthony Richardson was below 60% for the year and was still taken with the number three overall pick by the Indianapolis Colts because of the athleticism, the, the traits, and, uh, you know, the ability for, for Shane Sykin to be able to develop him. You look at a guy like Riley Leonard, he's one of those guys that could potentially be in that conversation as well. So, tremendous play. I thought that he got some help there from, from Graham Barton on the offensive line. Look, this is a guy who has five position versatility. I think he can play the, the pivot. He can kick inside to guard. He's also proven against Clemson that he can play that left tackle position. Uh, and so I think that versatility is obviously going to help his draft stock. He's a guy that's not getting out of the second round, if you ask me. Um, defensively, Dwayne Carter holding the point of attack, a guy that's showing that he can get off the football and and get penetration early on in the middle of that defense. And then R.J. Oban, the son of the, the left tackle, Roman Oban, uh, three tackles in the game, but that sack, you know, just the athleticism, seeing him come off the edge, the bend, the hands, the ability to chop down on the offensive tackle's hands and, and be able to turn the corner and, and get to the quarterback. Kate Klubnick really had a, you know, struggled. You know, I think Clemson's in trouble because they don't have a go-to receiver. Uh, Antonio Williams, Bo Collins, Adam Randall didn't really step up. You know, Jake Brittingstool, look, David Davis Allen was a weapon for DJ Uyangalale a season ago. Where was Jake Brittingstool? Why did he only have one reception? Garrett Riley's going to have to answer for that. Will Shipley still looks like a top five back to me. 17 carries, 114 yards, six catches for 29 yards and a touchdown. Did have a drop, uh, concentration drop, was looking to get up field before he hauled it in. But uh, you see the elusiveness. You see his ability to run between the tackles and on the outside. So to me, I still look at Will Shipley as a guy who is – you know, he's a top five running back. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, I think in terms of who my number one running back is, I think that question has pretty much been answered at least uh, to start out the season. And we'll get into that here in a minute. But look, you know, over the course of week zero and week one, I've been pretty busy watching games. I've gotten to watch, sit down and watch the, the full entirety of a, a ton of games. Uh, we're talking about 35 total games. You know, at 16 uh, on Saturday alone. And uh, if you're talking about the FBS programs, 133 in all, I've already watched 67 of them. That's over half 
through week one. So I've got my work cut out to try to get through that the, the remainder, but you know the remaining 66. But you know I've made some pretty good progress watching a lot of game film. This is what I enjoy. This is what I love to do. Obviously, you know I I, I didn't get a chance really to really study a lot of the all 22, but still these are my observations. These are things that I've I was able to pick up as I watched each and every one of these games over the weekend and. Uh, you know, if we start just taking a look at some of the different performances um, as we talk about it, you know, um, Brennan Armstrong, NC State, that Thursday night game, we talked about it before. Um, you know, I, I thought as a passer, he really struggled. Um, but we saw the athleticism, 96 uh, yards on the ground and a couple of touchdowns. Um, Graham Mertz, I think he really struggled with, with the chemistry with the receivers, just really off. Any of the back shoulder throws, any of the throws down the field, just really struggled with any of the timing. Did have 333 yards and a touchdown, but, man, you know, I, I think Florida really in trouble there at the quarterback position. Um, you know, Jeff Sims, everyone hyped him up there at Nebraska. I didn't really understand the hype. Just 114 yards and a touchdown, but three interceptions, costly mistakes. Two of those to Tyler Newbin, and look, you know, we talk about safeties. We could talk about one right now. Tyler Newbin, to me, is the top safety in the draft. This was a guy that you know was, was doing a great job as, as the deep safety. He was playing in the box. He was covering guys in the slot. Um, you know, Newbin reading the quarterback, making breaks on the football, making a play. Um, you know, that was I thought was one of the more impressive performances on the back end of the defense um, in any of the games that I watched. Friday, you got to see Tyler Van Dyke. He's back, 17 to 22 for 201 yards, touchdown. Did throw an interception on the day to Michael Dowell. Um, but uh, I think Tyler Van Dyke, if he can stay healthy, consistency is going to be the key. But I, I think this was definitely a step in the right direction. We weren't sure who the receivers were going to be, if they were going to step up for him. I thought that that question was answered as well. Um, so I thought that that was really a nice performance overall. Um, as we continue, Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma. I mean, good Lord. I mean, they just abuse Arkansas State. And uh, Dylan Gabriel, you know, look, he's got the pressure of, of the freshman, Jackson Arnold, and he delivered. You know, this is a guy that was hitting his receivers in stride. Um, you know, putting in, you know, he didn't put too much air under his throws. There were a couple of errant, errant passes, uh, but for the most part, Dylan Gabriel looked dialed in, and that's going to bode well for Oklahoma uh, with their their run. Um, Joe Milton, Tennessee, 21 to 30, 201 yards and a couple of touchdowns. You see the effortless delivery, um, just the cannon rocket of an arm. But this is a guy I think that still struggles with the accuracy. I think you know the, the consistency just isn't there. Um, look, you know he's got the arm. He reminds you of. Uh, it's hard not to compare him to Anthony Richardson because of the size comparison and, and the rocket arm. Um, the arm talent. I think Joe Milton probably has the best overall arm talent of any quarterback in this year's draft. But the question really remains is is just how consistent he can be. And he's running an offense. Look, you know Josh Heupel. We talked about the same thing with with uh, Hendon Hooker. This is an offense that's a little bit more simplified with the splits and everything. Um, but Milton, you know, hey, they got it done against Virginia, 49-13. Um, but I think Tennessee is really going to have to watch Milton's play as they progress into the SEC. Um, you know, just really needs to, to get some of that dialed in. Um, I thought Cade McNamara, kind of an up-and-down game um, overall. Um, you know, I think 191 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Missed some receivers, overthrows. Um, needs to kind of get that cleaned up and dialed in a little bit better. Uh, but Washington, good Lord, made a statement against Boise State in Seattle, 56-19. Michael Penix uh, Jr., 29-40, 450 yards and five touchdowns. 
Um, this is a guy, look, you know, he's not very mobile. I think mobility is going to be a concern. This is a guy that I think from within the pocket he can manipulate it. But really it's all about the arm talent. This is a guy that doesn't really have to step into his throws. And he's throwing him 40 yards down the field to the wide side on a line and uh, hitting his receivers in stride. Um, you know, Romo Dunze, um, you know, this was a guy, seven catches, 132 yards on the outside, had a touchdown. There was a fumble as well, but, you know, when you watch Romo Dunze, he was just so quick coming off the line. I think that was one of the things that, that really jumped off, off the film to me. But the guy that really had the game was Jalen McMillan. Three catches, 101 yards, a couple of touchdowns, just running running post, just getting open. Um, also got a, a carry, took that around the edge for, for a score. I think the fact that Jalen Polk has been stepping up as well on the outside um, is going to bode well for Jalen McMillan. I think he's one of the best slot receivers in the draft this year. Uh, Ohio State, kind of a funky game, right? 23-3, Kyle McCord um, really struggled to kind of get going. You know, we really didn't see a whole lot out of Mar Marvin Harrison in this game. The one big play that he would have had, it was a 24-yard touchdown um, down the sideline. Ultimately, the corner uh, forces him out, kind of shoves him to the sideline, and rather than really kind of fight to stay in bounds, he steps out of bounds and is the first one to touch it. Illegal touching called on the play. So that 24-yard touchdown was called back. Um, but, you know, still there's no question that, that you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., they just need to get consistent play out of the quarterback spot. And I think Kyle McCord, as the season progresses, you know, he'll get better and better. But look, you know, Jamar Chase didn't even play his junior season, and we see what he's been able to do. So I'm not worried about Marvin Harrison Jr. one bit. Uh, Wisconsin in Madison, 38-17 winners. Tanner Mordecai, uh, you know, 24-31, uh, 189 yards, touchdown, couple of picks, erratic play. Um, really kind of struggled there. But here's the thing. The reason why I'm bringing him up is maybe his go-to target because they really are lacking a receiver on the outside. When you think of Luke Fickle, you think of his offense, especially there with Desmond Ritter, uh, Alec Pierce, you have Tyler, uh, Tyler Scott. You also have Trey Tucker. All three of those guys in the NFL as receivers all got drafted. What does Wisconsin have? They've got Bryson Green. They've got Jamari DK, Will Pauling, uh, Skylar Bell dropped a, I mean, a, a surefire big play. Um, they're lacking a big play receiver. So Braylon Allen may end up being that guy. Seven catches. It was almost like the coaching staff you know, knew that Braylon Allen needed to start showing that he could catch the football out of the backfield. And he was able to do that. Showed some pretty nice hands, niftiness, catching the football out of the backfield. But then 141 yards and a couple of touchdowns. This is a guy that's looking to slim down. Um, and he, he looks chiseled. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's what, barely... Um, 18, 19 years old, and just looks like a man among boys. You see the physicality between the tackles. You see his ability to run away from 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 defenders as well. To me, Braylon Allen is the number one running back. If you're talking about anybody in the first round, especially if they're going to make it a point to make Allen the focal point of the passing game, especially because these receivers just aren't getting the job done, especially against a team like Buffalo, where you would expect to see more of that. Uh, to me, I, I look at, at, at Braylon Allen. He He's going to be a guy that's going to continue to impressed to continue to ball out you know he's a he's a big kid too that's the thing that is, is so impressive uh i think some people have, have said that you know he kind of lumbers with the way that he runs i don't think so I, I see a guy that is pretty smooth as as an athlete i see him setting up his blocks well very patient it comes off that block you see the lateral cuts and then being able to take it down the sideline um you know 6 2 235 dude's just a beast and then if we're talking about Beast, and obviously we have to talk about the, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. This is a dude who, I mean, he made it look easy against Nevada. 18-24, 319 yards, five touchdowns. 
66-14, Trojans roll. Um, but this is a guy, you know, he just made it just look so easy. You know, he started 4-4 for 84 yards and a touchdown on the opening drive of the game. Um, now there was a play where he scrambles to his right, and he's looking down the field, and it looked like he was going to throw the football away, but Dorian Singer winds up getting behind the defense, kind of a scramble drill, ends up throwing the, the, the touch pass down the sideline, dropping it in in the bucket. Here's the thing. You know, the, the situational awareness at times, I think he struggles. You know, he wants to attack the sideline instead of taking the uh, the middle of the field. For some reason, he always wants to attack the outside, and I think he still struggles with the accuracy down the sideline, down the sideline, you know, outside the numbers. Um, still see some of that, but uh, the athleticism. I mean, this was a guy, uh, he, he steps up, he steps to the right, steps to the left, back to the right. Uh, just the way that he's able to manipulate the pocket. You know, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes-esque. You know, another guy, Aaron Rodgers, was so great at, at being able to manipulate the, the pocket um, and stay within the confines of the pocket. I think that's one of the things that Caleb Williams really has uh, worked on. You see him going through his progressions, you know, looking right, looking left, delivering the football to Marshawn Lloyd, uh, took the ball right up the gut. Um, you know, really tremendous touch down the, down the seam to Marshawn Lloyd. 54-yard reception on that play. And I'll tell you what, Marshawn Lloyd uh, struggled a little bit. I think you know in in the in week zero, um, I think he was rushing in some of his runs. But man, this is a guy that once you let him go, uh, you know, and, and was much more comfortable. You saw the the speed out of the backfield. You saw the, the, the balance, the contact balance, the power to his game. I think Marshawn Lloyd's only going to continue to get better there for the Trojans. Uh, the Trojans rolled. You know, a lot of the, the different receivers there. I mean, Zachariah Branch is the one catch for 22 yards at the beginning of the game. But, uh, you know, a guy that was able to, to get open on a corner route. Easy touch throw over there for Caleb Williams. Um, you know, the, the offensive line still struggling a bit. Uh, Jonah Monheim really needs to dial in and get things together because there are a lot of pass rushers that SC is going to be dealing with. And you don't want to have Caleb Williams running around for his life all day long. Um, I, I thought Cam Ward had a nice game there uh, for the Cougars over Colorado State. 50-24 to 24 was the final. 461 yards, three touchdowns. Spread the football around quite a bit. Lincoln Victor was his number one target. 160-plus um, yards on the day. Lincoln Victor looks like a guy that could potentially work his way into a role in the slot. Um, you know, I think that's one of the things that kind of jumps out for me as I watch him play is um, you know, he's just he's a sudden guy. I don't know that he'll get drafted, but he's a guy that could end up working his way onto a roster because of his ability to work work from the slot. Uh, but Cam Ward, excellent pocket presence, feels his pressure to the right, steps up to avoid, moves back to the right, fires a strike down the field. The pocket manipulation was absolutely there. Um, effortless throws to the wide side of the field, and it was arriving in a hurry. Uh, so I thought Cam Ward also with a nice performance there. Uh, Frank Harris really struggled for UTSA. That's really why they lost to Houston 17-14. Threw three interceptions on the day, just some ill-advised throws. I think the fact that DeCorian Clark wasn't there definitely hurt. Joshua Cephas, I thought, really got to showcase his ability as a bigger receiver with nine catches at 123 yards. Um, But uh, Drew Aller, only a sophomore, but this kid is going to be a guy that we'll be talking about next year's draft. Uh, 21 to 29, 325 yards, three touchdowns. Um, you know, a guy that just, you know, look, you know, he, Keandre Lambert Smith looks like he's going to be their go to receiver. Uh, a, a guy that continued to get open for him down the field. Uh, so that's a guy that you'll want to keep an eye out for. They really uh, handed it to West Virginia. Uh, Drake May, 
I think the other quarterback in the discussion for the number one overall selection. And look, Kate, you know, Caleb Williams, his father's already come out and said if they don't like the situation with the number one overall pick, he may come back. He's got over $2 million in, in NIL money, so you know, if he comes back for another year, plays with the Trojans again, you know, I don't think there's going to be any worry. I mean, especially they're going to the Big Ten, so there's potential for even more money coming through. Drake May could potentially slide into that number one overall spot. I don't think he did anything to dissuade anyone from that. 24 of 32, 269 yards, two touchdowns. Did have two interceptions on the day. Um, but, again, this is a guy that just looks so smooth, effortless, um, making throws to all three levels of the field and just absolutely dropping a dime in. Um, there were a couple of plays. There was a, a slot fade to, to, to Kobe Pastor, who was wide open. Uh, receiver started to kind of bend to the sideline, beaten two defensive backs, got behind them, didn't really give the receiver a chance, threw the ball uh, you know, 30 yards down the field, but just threw the ball out of bounds, didn't give him really a play on there. But I think the picks... You know, those were a couple of plays where he, he needed to, to calm down. I think you know he was much more effective in the first half, 16 to 20, 177 yards and a touchdown. But uh, you know there was there was a play where he got kind of bailed out, where uh, the the DB kind of lost lost track of the ball. John Copenhager Haver, the tight end, was was in the end zone, ended up kind of going to the knee to his knees to haul it in. Two defenders in his in his face, and I think you know Drake May needs to watch trusting that arm strength just a little bit too much and trusting the arm and just kind of throwing it up uh, that can get himself into trouble. Uh, but, you know, he dropped back to pass. He was on the right hash at the 41, rolled to his right uh, to get rid of it to, to grab him back. Blackwell at the numbers running a crossing route, threw a little bit too far to the inside to his receiver. Uh, O'Donnell Fortune in the corner under to cut the route for the interception. Um, and then later on, uh, drops back to pass. So it was kind of a back shoulder throw to Kobe Pesor uh, up the – I think it was on the outside now that I think about it. A little bit too far up the field, caused Kobe to kind of reach for it back to the inside, off of his hands, intercepted by Kawan Banks. Um, so a couple of, uh, of throws that were kind of uncharacteristic of typical Drake May. They weren't, uh, you know, the, weren't very clean, weren't all that accurate. Uh, and so that's definitely a, you know some cause for concern for sure. Um, but you know, can he just get things dialed in and wrapped up? You know, that's really the big question mark. You know, when he was under pressure, that's really where a lot of this stuff started to happen. So they've got to clean things up on the offensive line uh, for, for North Carolina for sure. Uh, Tulane looked good against South Alabama, 37-17. My, Michael Pratt, good Lord, 14 of 15 for 294 yards. Or 200, yeah, 294 yards and four touchdowns. And this guy, man, I swear, he was throwing posts left. And it seemed like 47-yard post, 47-yard post. 48-yard uh, pass, pass play, and he was hitting guys in stride. Uh, tremendous arm strength. This guy, don't overlook him. He is—he's. I think he's underrated. I think people are really sneaking, uh, you know, sleeping on him. Uh, look, just as an example, there was a 40. They're on the the Jaguars 47-yard line. Uh, sees keys on the outside, up the seam. There was a switch release, wide open. Rather than trying to gun it to his receiver, puts air under it, allowing him to kind of you know, catch it in stride. Makes a couple of defenders miss for a 47-yard touchdown, but uh, just understanding you know the situation and uh, you know putting enough air under that to just kind of allow his man to to create with the football. Um, you know, there's a four-yard whip route to to, to Chris Brazel. Um, you know, made sure that you know he was getting some separation, then able to put the football right on on his man. Uh, so that was another play that we got to see. Uh, but 
you know, the, the arm strength, you know, being able to put the ball down the field in a hurry, that was something that really stood out to me. I think Michael Pratt, you know, the athleticism as well, uh, 11 carries for 39 yards. He was, you know, he was putting his foot in the ground and making guys miss in the open field. Um, so I'm definitely impressed with Michael Pratt. He's a guy that should be a top 10 quarterback uh, that we're that we're talking about, and uh, I, I don't think he's getting enough credit that that he deserves. Uh, Keaton Slovis again you know, for BYU. Uh, they played Sam Houston, 20 of 33, 145 yards. Another guy like Graham Mertz, where just the the accuracy wasn't there, the timing wasn't there, really struggled to get anything going. Uh, you know that offense was kind of anemic. 14-0 was the final. Um, they just struggled to get anything going, and so that's obviously cause for concern for Kalani Sataki. DJ Uyangalale had a great game against San Jose State, 20-25 for 239 yards, three touchdowns. Also had a couple of, of scores on the ground. You saw the athleticism, you saw the physicality you know, with which he runs. Um, you know, this is a guy that I think you know is really trying to rebuild his image as a quarterback because you know basically he was benched in favor of Clay, uh, Kate Klubnik. And uh, I thought he's he's doing a good job of doing that. And he really isn't asked to be the the, the, the guy to create everything. Damian Martinez, um, his sophomore running back, has definitely been uh, helping that. But then I think the offensive line, the confidence to play behind an offensive line now is phenomenal. We'll talk about those two tackles here in just a moment. Uh, you get to LSU and Florida State. And uh, look, you know, Jaden Daniels showcased some arm strength, being able to throw to the wide side of the field, 15 yards on a line. 346 yards, a touchdown, also had an interception um, on the day. Uh, 15 carries for 64 yards. He may be a better runner than he is a passer. I mean, just the, the, the elusiveness, his ability to put his foot in the ground and, uh, and get up the field. But uh, I think the game really was about Jordan Travis emerging as one of the better quarterbacks in this year's draft class. 23 of 31, 342 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. Also scored while on the ground. Um, and with Jordan Travis... What, what I saw from him, you know, taking that, that, that leap, being able to, to get out and roll and, uh, and keep those eyes down the field and being able to locate that receiver and, and put it on him. Um, I, you know, there was a couple of fade passes to, to Keon Coleman that were, were money. Did have a couple of drops from his receivers. Uh, you know, I think Johnny Wilson had a couple of concentration drops. There's one by Jaheim Bell as well. Otherwise, the completion percentage would have been a lot better. Uh, 14th straight game with a, with a touchdown. So obviously that's something that, that's impressive there. But you know, being able to, to drive those throws. You know, he, he, you know, he had Johnny Wilson on a dig route. And being able to put his foot in the ground, you know, that back foot, and then just fire that strike, drive the football, being able to do that, trusting his receivers to, to go up and make plays on the football as well. I think Jordan Travis is definitely maturing as a quarterback. And if I'm a Florida State fan, I have to be looking at the way Jordan Travis played and thinking we may have another Florida State quarterback making his way to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. You know, you think Charlie Ward, you think Chris Wenke. Could this be a year that Jordan Travis ends up hearing his name called as a finalist? Not that he'd win, but as a finalist. So you know, we, we recapped a lot of the different games that I've watched and the quarterback play in a lot of the games. But really what I kind of want to do is kind of go game for game now and, and really starting with that Utah game that I didn't get a chance to really cover in the last podcast and talk about some of the guys that I really kept an eye on during those games um, and kind of talk about their play. So we'll go ahead and start with that Utah game and uh, 24-11 winners over Florida. And I'll tell you what, the score didn't really... Um, 
I, I think it shows that it was a lot closer than it really was. You know, I think this was a game that never really felt to be too too out of hand for the Utes. Uh, the physicality that, that you saw from Utah really was, was something that uh, just kind of jumped out from, from the jump, right? And, and the guy that I was really watching on the offensive line was uh, Sataoa uh, Laumea, the 6'4", 311-pound junior offensive tackle. Maybe a guard at the next level, so I think he offers some versatility. 33 career starts, uh, very physical at the point of attack, able to drive you know, the, the, the defensive tackle back and then driving him into the ground. Look, look to attack uh, Princely Uma Milan on, on the edge there, the defensive end, the explosive the end there for Florida. Um, power off the edge, violent punch, really disrupting that, that rush pattern that he had, uh, the rush path. Um, I, I thought that was tremendous. And then if you're talking about defensively for uh, Utah, then Cole Bishop has to be the guy that you're talking about. Incredibly impressive, a guy that was lining up all over the field. You saw him primarily wanting to play in the box, flying downhill, wanting to make a big hit. Excellent range, uh, getting uh, over to, to Graham Mertz, who was running on a third and 12. A big hit, one yard shy of the first down, jars the ball free, and it ultimately goes out of bounds. Walked up late on the line of scrimmage, speed off the edge, able to run through the block of the running back, Trevor Etienne, and get in to drop Graham Mertz for a sack, even as he was trying to escape the pocket. 11 tackles along with that sack. Cole Bishop, to me, is a guy that, even though he, he's only a junior, he's a guy that we should be talking about uh, as one of the top safeties in this year's draft class. Uh, you know, with, with Prince Uma Milan, um, you know, I thought, you know, there's an arm over off the ball, beats the left tackle to the inside, gets to the running back in the backfield, uh, tried to tackle Jaquindon Jackson just a little bit too high and, and, and missed the tackle there. Um, you know, I thought there was one thing too, really explosive getting off the football, um, run, ran himself into a couple of double teams, but you saw his ability to attack the inside shoulder of the offensive tackle with an inside move. Uh, so I thought that was something that was, uh, you know, for, for a Florida team that really struggled, I thought his play uh, was, was encouraging. Um, with Minnesota, again, we talk about Tyler Newbin. You know, let's talk about that, that interception that ultimately led to the victory. Uh, kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, he was all over the field. But uh, let, let's talk about Tyler Newbin and the fact that, you know, four interceptions a season ago, two picks in one game, but that, that second pick, minute to play, tied at 10, single high safety, reads Jeff Sims' eye, staring down the wide receiver, running a slant, able to jump the route for the pick, and we know that, you know, Dragan Kasich ends up kicking that game-winning field goal for the Gophers. Uh, Justin Wally, look, a team captain there at the cornerback position, the junior 5'11", 190. This dude is, is fiery, he's feisty, he's going to run the alley and uh, isn't afraid of contact, he's going to come up and hit you. Uh, five minutes to play, running back coming up the middle of the field, able to, to punch the football free, Gophers recovered, down 10-3. Um, so you know, a guy that, that can make plays, also has the ball skills, being able to high point the football, being able to get his hand in and make a play, and, and you see... Uh, really good hips being able to turn and run with the receiver so I think Justin Wally is one of those quarterbacks that I think should be keeping an, you know, everyone should be keeping an eye on uh, Michigan State and Central Michigan I think for the Chippewas you know, you've got Bert Emanuel Jr. Uh, a redshirt freshman so he's not really eligible for this year's draft but he's a guy just the athleticism you want to see if he can develop into a quarterback. That's really the big question mark that I have for him right now because, look, only 87 yards passing, 
but the athleticism is, is what you know, really um, draws everyone's attention, and, and you really want to watch and see what his progression is going to look like. Jacoby Whitman uh, for, for Michigan State, their eight tackles, did have a sack. Um, this is a guy that shows speed to get to the outside, shows the range, and then also likes to rush the passer um, coming off the edge as well um, on on third downs. More of an edge rusher in that in that way. Uh, Cal Halliday, the emotional leader of the defense. I think you know he reads the flows, plants, heads down for the quarterback, um, diagnoses the plays well. I think that's one of the things that you saw chasing down Bert Emanuel, tripping him up for a tackle for loss. Um, also had an interception in the game, 10 tackles, a tackle for loss. Um, only a junior, so he could be coming back for another year. Um, so he's a guy, though, that I, I think I really want to keep an eye on and see how he continues to progress at that, uh, at that inside linebacker position. Um, mentioned Tyler Van Dyke um, playing behind an offensive line that I thought impressed. Uh, Zion Nelson is, is still battling the injuries, but Matt Lee, the center, 6'4", 295. This is a guy that I think is, is a top three center in this year's draft class. Just three pressures of 14 starts, 2022 at UCF. Named a team captain, hasn't been with the team very long, but you see the punch at the point of attack. Um, tunnel screen to a res the receiver, Colby Young, runs down the side. Didn't really quite get to the DB, but was able to get in the way to allow the receiver to get down the field. You see reach blocks in the ground game, physical at the point of attack, shooting those hands in and driving guys away from the quarterback. Um, good athleticism, pulling around, um, athletic to really get out there. Uh, unfortunately, the running back, the freshman, Mark Fletcher, didn't have the patience to wait for him to really set up the block. But you see the athleticism, that's evident. Uh, Javion Cohen, Alabama transfer, the guard. Uh, really a good job with the hands as well. Pop at the point of attack, stifling the rush of the defensive tackle in the, in the ground game. You see the, the center of gravity, the ability to anchor, but then also keeping his hands inside in the, in the run game generates some, um, you know, some, some movement there. We talked about the safety position in Tyler Newman. Well, Cam Kitchens is another guy that we have to be talking about. Six foot 205, a junior, uh, free safety, made an early impact against the run, playing in the box, coming off the edge, dropping the running back in the backfield. There's another play to the perimeter. Uh, Akeem Mesidor chases down the running back from behind as he was wrapping him up. Kitchens runs the alley, drills the running back with a huge hit, knifing in, dropping the running back you know, behind the line of scrimmage, pass thrown to the perimeter into the boundary, flows to the ball, delivers a big hit on the receiver, Gage Larvadan on the edge, two yards shy of a first down. Um, so he was literally all over the place. Only had three tackles, but don't just look at the stats. This guy literally was flying all over the place. Um, I was really the standout performer on defense for Miami. I was waiting to really see what uh, Leonard Taylor was going to do. You, know, you saw him taking on double teams in the middle of the defense, holding his ground, able to get an arm free to kind of slow up the running back, allowing the safety to end up making the play ultimately after a game of just one yard, um, expecting him to have more of an impact as the season continues to progress. Um, Louisville and Georgia Tech. Uh, this was a game where um, you know, I, I thought Ashton Gelati coming off the edge. You saw the athleticism there, the ability to uh, use that swim move and, and get into the backfield. Um, Gelati, again, another guy who's only a junior. Um, so a lot of these guys are, are, are guys that could potentially come back for another season. Um, but uh, I thought he did a really good job using his hands. I think that's another thing that really jumped out. But how about Jamari Thrash? Here's a receiver that's going to kind of fly under the radar. 6'1", 185, all Sun Belt performer last year, led the Sun Belt receiving from Georgia State. 
shows up and absolutely shows out. Um, you know, a guy that you know uh, catches the ball at about six yards, plants, breaks the tackle of the corner, reverses field back to the left, shows the speed to pick up a gain of 23 yards, hitch and go on the outside for 20-yard gain. Uh, safety came up on the corner blitz, ran right by the safety, catch over the top for the touchdown. Um, you know, Jamari Thrash is the guy to really be on the lookout for. Three catches for 80, uh, I'm sorry, uh, seven catches for 88 yards, two touchdowns there in Louisville's come from behind 39-34 victory over uh, Georgia Tech and the Ramblin' Wreck. You know, if you want to talk about the Stanford-Hawaii game, really, um, you know, the play that you have to be talking about is David Bailey. And it's, you know, the question really is being asked is, when are we going to get to see David Bailey at the next level? Uh, and the, the thing is, is he was a freshman All-American last year, so we have to wait another season um, before we can actually see uh, the 6'3", 240-pounder in action uh, for, for the draft. But uh, you love his, his ability to use his hands to get off blocks, the speed coming off the edge, his ability to bend and come around uh, dipping under the pad level, excellent bend. You see the ankle flexion, his ability to to launch at the quarterback, um, taking some, some you know, just incredible angles to get to the quarterback, chopping down on the right right tackle's hands off the edge, ripping through to clear, flattening out, getting to the quarterback for a sack. Uh, had three sacks, four uh, tackles for loss, six total sacks. Uh, really was the beast on the on defense for Stanford. 37-24, Stanford's going to get to take on. USC. Uh, the other guy to really keep an eye out for is is Benjamin Jurassic, the tight end, and uh, this is a guy that I've kind of beaten up a little bit in past mock drafts because of his inability to block. Um, he was a lead blocker on run play by, by Ryan Butler. Uh, climbed to the second level, lo locates Logan Taylor. Uh, got a shove to move him up the field to get about a nine yard gain. Kind of got in the way. That's really more or less. What you see from Urasic still struggles as a blocker, uh, but 6'5", 235, his ability is is in the passing game. You saw speed down the sideline, getting behind Logan Taylor and the safety on a 32-yard pass play down the sideline. Um, you know, track the ball, extended forward over his head, toe tap along the sideline. You see the body control, tremendous ability to just adjust. Um, tight end wheel route on a flea flicker, uh, adjust to the back shoulder throw, able to haul it in for a 32-yard touchdown. Really had the, you know, uh, Hands catch, arms extended over his head. Um, athletic guy. Uh, that's really going to be you – know, Trojans are going to have their work cut out. They, they struggled covering the tight end. We saw what Dalton Kincaid did a year ago. Um, really get to see what's going to happen there with USC's defense. Can they cover a tight end? Because Urosic is one of the nation's best and, and a guy that has a chance. Um, could he sneak into day two? Possibly. Probably more like a, a fourth uh, rounder at this point just based on the fact that he, he struggles as a blocker. Uh, we talked about Dylan Gabriel's play at the quarterback position for OU. I think they've got a number one receiver, though, in Andrell Anthony, the 6'1", 192-pounder. Legit deep threat, run to post, running by the corners. Extended, nice dive for a 45-yard pass play. Next play, there was a screen out to Drake Stoops. Gets a pancake block on the corner to spring him for a 10-yard touchdown. Uh, tremendous athlete. Uh, I think Andrew Rain looked solid. Uh, ran over the nose tackle, Nate Marty, on a two-yard run up the middle. Shot the hands into the D tackle. Really a flat back. Just drove it right into the ground. Excellent leverage and, pa and power. Uh, Walter Rouse coming off of an injury, transferred from Stanford. Just engulfing the defensive end and pass protection. You saw the leverage, the athleticism as well. Tyler Guyton on the right side, 6'7", 327. 
A lot of people are comparing him to Anton Harrison, who was the number 27 overall pick in the draft. Could Tyler Guyton be the same type of a player? You see the athleticism. He was a former D lineman at, at TCU, um, but the 6'7", 327, the length, you see that. He lined up at left tackle to start the second half, aggressive in the ground game, um, attacking the defensive end, uses the torque to kind of throw him down. Um, you know, Hands did get a bit high in pass protection, but he does reset them pretty well. Um, you saw the movement skills as well. Did get called for a hold. The linebacker, Javante Mackey, coming off the edge, kind of hooked him a little bit. Um, Rondell Bothroyd, uh, you know, we didn't get to see enough of him. Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes, his pass rushers. Arkansas State really struggled. I think the biggest thing that you saw from Ethan Downs is high motor guy. Um, that's really the big thing that I have written here. Uh, Danny Stutzman uh, looked much more comfortable in the defense, being able to flow and make plays in space. I thought there was a lot to like in Tennessee's 49-13 drubbing of the Virginia Cavaliers. And, uh, you know, Aaron Beasley on the defensive side of the football had a couple of pass breakups and a tackle for loss on the day. Um, this guy flies around and makes plays. I think that's the bottom line. Tyler Barron had a nice game. 6'5", 260, the, the defensive end. Quick arm over, uh, lining up. That's one of the things I noticed. You know, he, he moved inside on third downs. Uh, arm over to beat the center. Blows up a run play for a tackle for loss. Um... You know, he, a lot of stunts were being run, uh, chasing quarterbacks down. You saw a spin move, um, starts outside, back inside with the spin to get the quarterback in the pocket. Um, Omari Thomas, 6'4", 320. The burst for a guy his size was absolutely impressive as well. I think those were things that, that definitely jumped off the film. Um, Brew McCoy, strong, powerful on the outside. I think you, you definitely saw that, the physicality there. Uh, John Campbell, 6'5", 320 pounds. Uh, I think he transferred, I want to say, from Florida. Uh, pulling around as a lead blocker for, for Jalen Wright. Physical at the point of attack. But I think really the big play that uh, that everyone should be talking about, uh, it was, I, I think it was a two-yard run uh, by Dylan Sampson. Uh, run play into the end zone. Campbell takes his man, continue driving him through the end zone toward the stands and ultimately dumps him right around where the, the cameraman kind of line up right there. Just an absolute dominant block. Uh, just kept that leg drive and just kept on driving the, I think it was a defensive back, all the way down. Uh, Jalen Wright looks like he could potentially be a, uh, a stud there at the running back spot, 5'11", 210 pounds, um, had 118 yards on the ground. Uh, impressive burst off the middle, runs through contact, spinning through contact as well. We saw the patience running, setting up his blocks as well. So I thought that was something that definitely jumped out to me. Uh, when you watch Iowa play, you, you want to be able to try to figure out who's going to be the guy to replace uh, Jack Campbell in the middle of that defense. And I think they found that in, in Jay Higgins. This guy was literally everywhere. 6'2", 233 pounds, 16 tackles and a pass breakup. Uh, Cooper DeGene um, did give up a couple of uh, you know, pass plays in front of him. I think most of those, you know, there really wasn't much yak at all. This guy is not afraid to come down and be physical, though. Um, had speed to run stride for stride. I think that's something else. The biggest thing was, was some of the comebacks, but it wasn't like, you know, with Georgia, Keely Ringo would get picked on on the outside, and with Ringo, there was a ton of, it seemed like he would get lost a lot of times. You saw Cooper DeGene driving on those balls, nearly got a hand in on a couple of those as he's diving in to make a play on the ball. So, you know, I'm not too worried about DeGene. Um, offensively, look, Luke Lachey, seven catches, 73 yards, a 
guy that can stretch the defense a little bit, uses that size and the length to his advantage. I thought that definitely uh, showed itself there. With Washington, we've already talked about Odunze and McMillan. Those guys absolutely showed out. I think when you watch Troy Fatanu, the left tackle, we've said that this is a guy that's going to be likely a guard at the next level. I, I thought that that was really what, what I saw there at Washington. This is a guy that you're expecting to see him really latch on guys. You saw the power in his hands. He's the punch to throw guys off, active hands, but he never really locked onto a guy. Um, I didn't always see him moving his feet. He extended for a defensive end at the waist, really unable to kind of shove him up the field. Defensive end wound up dropping Sam Adams for a loss. Um, very quick to the, the to the second level, sealing off a linebacker to help spring the running back for some extra yards. But to me, I think uh, Fatanu really looks like a, a guard at the next level. Uh, you know, the the big question mark is is what are we going to see? You know, on, def on defense, will um, you know Olafosio, the inside linebacker, um, you know, Eddie Olafosio, uh, he hasn't played a full season, battled injuries. Um, you saw his ability to rush the quarterback, getting around the center, getting his hands into the body of a running back, shoving Ashton Jan uh, Janty up the field, and then ultimately dropping the quarterback, uh, Taylor Green, for the sack there. Six tackles and a sack on the day. Um, you know, you wanted to see Braylon Trice and, and Zion uh, Tupuola Fatui get going. Really, the biggest thing that you saw with Zion was. Um, the, the, what I saw was on the edge versus the run against Ashton. Uh, you know, ran right through his arm arm tackle. Did really kind of a poor job setting the edge. Seemed to be a little bit passive and on his heels. Uh, Braylon Trice, you see the power. He was looking to try to manhandle the tackle in front of him. Uh, you know, and, and you didn't see him really have a plan, so he wasn't always able to get by his guy. Um, you know, when you did, you saw a left hand to the chest of the left tackle, able to get to the edge after shoving it back, flattening out, pressuring the quarterback in the pocket. So you did see some of that. It just wasn't with any consistency. Um, Ohio State's game, you know, we already talked about, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison and uh, some of the struggles that, that took place there, uh, really more so on the quarterback side. You know, I think with the Mecca Buka, you see him, eating up yards in a hurry with the speed, but the block on the perimeter helping the spring. Travion Henderson, 6'1", 205. The junior is going to be a first-rounder, in my opinion. Uh, Donovan Jackson, 6'4", 320. Those 36-inch arms, right? Sits down and anchors, extends those arms out. Defensive tackle really kept at a distance the entire time. Um, what was funny was the D-tackle tried to get his hands on him and tried to throw him aside. Jackson, the grip strength, unable to shake free and really just you know, didn't move. Um, so I thought that was really impressive as well. Uh, and look, Donovan Jackson and, and Matthew Jones are the veterans there. They had to break in three new starters, Josh Simmons at left tackle, Josh Fryer at right tackle, the Joshes at tackle, and Carson Hensman at, at center. You know, they're replacing some guys that are in the league now. And so you know, I, I thought that uh, the line overall held up. Um, and so those are guys that I think because of their play, uh, with the youngsters as, as things continue to, to go. I think that'll definitely help their draft stock as well, being able to, sh to showcase that they hey, they can be leaders of this group. Uh, Cade Stover, I thought, you know, looked to be a better weapon as a, you know, not only as a blocker uh, for not only Emeka Ibuka, springing him on an end around, but also as a weapon up the seam. Ran a skinny post, uh, beat the middle linebacker, makes a catch, turns and runs for a 49-yard gain, had five catches for 98 yards. Cade Stover to be top 10 tight end 
in, in this year's draft class. Denzel Burke, uh, you saw him driving on the football, breaking play, breaking up uh, passes down the sideline. You saw the ball skills, able to drive on the football, get a hand in to knock the football away as well. Um, you saw really good coverage on their best receiver, Indiana's Cam Camper. Um, JT Tumaloau, uh, patient on the zone read, waited for the quarterback to pull it, then shoots to the quarterback and drops him. You saw the bull rush, driving the left tackle all the way in. Um, you know, you love the, the eyes as well. Um, you know, as a stand-up rusher, um, he reads the play, hops to his left, gets outside, then straight downhill to the quarterback, gets a hit on him. Uh, four tackles, a half tackle for loss. You know, you're just waiting for him to explode again. And look, you know, we haven't seen uh, haven't seen him really take over a game like he did against Penn State. You know, and that's really the big question mark that you have with JT Tumalolau is, is you know, what type of player are you going to get game in, game out? Aaron Casey looks like a guy who could be a stud there for Indiana, 6'2", 235, team captain, 86 tackles and over 10 tackles for loss a season ago. Um, you know, this guy, he was shooting the A-gap, tripping up the running backs, stopping them for no game. Um, you saw a throw underneath, playing in zone coverage, driving quickly on the receiver. Julian Fleming, no yak, just a four-yard gain. Um, you know, really showcasing his ability, 11 tackles and a tackle for loss to play the run game. And I think that's one of the things that you see. You want to see, can he drop back into coverage? That's the other question mark that you have. And I don't know if we have the answer just yet. Um, this season, that's something that I think he's continuing to work on. And so I'll be curious to see kind of how that develops as the season progresses for Indiana. Uh, Shane Dolak, or Sean Dolak, excuse me, the, the linebacker there for Buffalo in their, their loss there against Wisconsin. Very active. That was something that we saw. We led the FBS in solo tackles, so obviously you kind of expect that. He had eight tackles and a tackle for loss, but also had an interception. Showed blitz, dropped into coverage, and as the receiver was running across the ground, reading the receiver. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Tanner Mordecai was reading, reading the receiver. Never saw Dolak just kind of sitting right there. Fired fired the ball in, and Dolak was able to jump, jump the route, pick it off, return it for 32 yards. Uh, Dolak, to me, is, is one of the more underrated linebackers. Uh, I thought Marcus Fuqua, the safety, was very physical against the run. Um, he's, you know, the other guy, look, 11 tackles on the day. Um, if I had any anything on Wisconsin's defense, you know, I was really excited to see uh, Buma Jongmeta, only two tackles on the day. He looked slow. I think, you know, when he's going towards the sideline, the perimeter. He was a guy that, you know, he comes downhill really well, but if you ask him to play laterally, that's where he struggles. And so that's really what I wanted to see from him. Um, he can flow, you know, short areas, but if you ask him to get to the sideline, that's where he gets that's where he struggles, gets in trouble. But Jack Nelson, the 6'7", 311, 311-pound left tackle, pulling around, um, taking out defensive ends as, as a lead blocker for Braylon Allen. Easy kick slides, good lateral quickness as a, as a pass, uh, pass protector. Um, Edge rusher, did get the edge on him once, had to get a takedown. You know, ended up getting called for a hold there. Um, there was a, a Chesmalusi run for 89 yards. Really caved in the left side, driving the defensive end down the line. Then he picks up Sean Dolak and seals him off to the inside, allowing Malusi to take off for, for a score. So to me, he's the guy that jumps out uh, on, on film on the offensive line for Wisconsin. I mentioned USC. I've already talked about Caleb Williams at length. So, you know, um, he's a guy, he's doing Caleb Williams things, 
making a lot of plays, but he's also leaving some plays out there on the field. Um, you know, he's doing a better job within the pocket, going through some progressions, but I think he still needs to continue to work on that. Really, that accuracy down the field, outside the numbers, uh, that's where I think he still needs to work from within the pocket. I mentioned Jonah Monheim earlier, just to give you an idea. Um, he was beaten by the defensive end, coming off the edge, uh, able to keep coming around, found that he was giving chase and defensive end ultimately was able to knock the football free from Caleb Williams who had, had to fall on it and force a fourth down. Defensive end tries to make an inside move, he was able to slide, keep him in front. You know, the, the question is, is, is Jonah Monheim the consistency? There's two to three plays in every game, uh, you know, well, and I say every game, just the two games, but against both San Jose State and Nevada, you know, these aren't top-end defensive ends that he's going against either, where he's struggled at times. I think left tackle is going to be too much for him. Really, I, I've watched the, the athleticism. I, I think, really, he's probably best suited as a guard at the next level. That's that's really my take for him. Um, I thought Jamil Muhammad, the defensive end, 6'1", 250, shows some pretty good speed. You know, he's double-teamed by the tight end, and the running back kind of rips through, shot between the two, gets to the quarterback, gets a sack, forces a punt. Um, so I thought that was something that really stuck out. I thought Shane Lee had a great game. Six foot, 245. Um, they, they were missing two linebackers. Mason Cobb and Eric Gentry were both injured. And uh, Shane Lee really had to step up. You know, Tackett Curtis also gets called for a targeting penalty early on in the game. And uh, the veteran, the team captain, the guy that came over from Bama, um, really looked at as more of a, a two-down guy, a guy that can play the run, struggles against the pass. He was all over the field, had 10 tackles, uh, was one of the better defensive players for the Trojans in the game. Um, and then the other guy that obviously we have to talk about is Caleb Bullock. 6'3", 180 pounds, uh, five tackles, a couple of pass breakups. You see the range over the top. That's the thing that's really ridiculous. Um, you know, the tight end, Kaleki Latu, um, it was a big target. I think he's, what, 6'7", on the outside. Gets deep down the sideline versus Sierra Wright. Showed the range, though, to get over the top, get over there, ultimately ball thrown to the sideline it was incomplete but just his ability to get out and and, uh, and affect that that pass had it been in bounds he may have been able to make a play on it man to man on the perimeter the receiver against Jacoby Covington shows his range as the center fielder read the play comes over the top elevated to break up the pass uh, didn't ultimately pick it because it was fourth down and they would have lost 25 yards so that was also a smart play on his part you saw him flying downhill uh, there was a swing pass to the running back on third and three, um, trying to use a tight end block on the, on the corner to get the first down. Bullock was able to come over and force him out a yard shy as well. So I think Kalen Bullock showcasing his ability there at, uh, at the safety position is going to be one of the better safeties again in this year's draft. I think Newbin and, and Kitchens right now might be a little bit ahead of him in terms of the physicality. I think Newbin as a playmaker and the physicality, He's got him there. I think with, with Kitchens and, and Bullock, Bullock's really showcased um, that he is the true unquestioned leader of that secondary for the Trojans. And so I want to see how that continues to progress. And I think those are going to be two guys that will be battling it out potentially to be that number two safety in this year's draft class. I mentioned Washington State against Colorado State. was really waiting to see what would happen with Torrey Horton. That was going to be the, the big matchup for me was uh, uh, Horton against uh, Chow Smith-Wade really wanted to see what that matchup was going to look like. And uh, you know, with Torrey Horton, um, you know, there was off coverage a couple of times, making plays in front of the in front of the defense. 
Uh, really, the, the biggest thing that you saw from Horton was being able to sit down in the void of the defense, nine catches for 81 yards. Um, I thought the quarterback play just they, they struggled. You know, both uh, uh, you know, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, and, and Cam Millen, the starter, really struggled to get anything going there offensively. So, um, you know, we'll have to see how, how Torrey Horton's year progresses. But look, this is a thousand yard receiver, so I'm, I'm expecting him to bounce back in a big way. Then Mohamed Kamara, you know, look, he's 6'1", 250. You see the penetration getting into the back, they're able to disrupt the run. Um, fires off the line as a stand-up def- defensive end. He gets into the, to the tight end, quarterback vacates the pocket, comes off the block to pressure the quarterback, nearly throws a pick to the linebacker. Later on, rip move gets under the pad level of the left tackle, gets off the edge, flattens out in a hurry, knocks the ball free as he sacks Cam Ward. Forced fumbles, ultimately recovered by the Rams. So you see that explosiveness, eight sacks from a season ago. He was the guy that I was looking forward to seeing play. You saw him coming off the edge. You know, Horton didn't really wow you. You know, it was just some, some solid play at the receiver position. I thought, you know, Mohamed Kamara didn't see enough flash plays, but he did show the ability to get to the quarterback and get the sack. Um, I think Brennan Jackson for Washington State, 6'4", uh, 263 pounds. This guy, you know, can get physical at the point of attack against the right tackle. You know, really bull rush, driving him back, and then getting a hand up to knock the pass down. Jaden Hicks is a tall safety at 6'3". Uh, Blitz uh, coming way back from depth. And uh, Cam Millen tried to roll away, got up the field in a hurry. Uh, Andrew Edson comes from the front side. Hicks the backside, chases him down, drops him for a sack. Uh, was also covering the tight end out of the flat, uh, or into the flat. Quarterback throws the pass way too far inside, right where where Hicks is, jumps that route, takes the 37 yards for the touchdown. So Hicks, obviously, you know, really showcasing that ability to be a playmaker. And then Smith Wade, I mentioned mentioned his name, um, seven tackles on the day, really read a tunnel screen uh, to Torrey Horton, drove downhill in a hurry, does a good job, you know, good uh, route recognition and uh, the ability to make plays and, and, and wrap up in the open field. I thought for UTSA, they had some good things there in that three-point loss to Houston. Um, you know, what you saw there was uh, 16 carries for 103 yards and a touchdown from Kavorian Barnes. He's only a redshirt sophomore, 5'9", 220 pounds, physical runner, good burst of the second level. Um, you know, Sutton has some shiftiness to him. Not a guy that's going to be a home run hitter by any means. He's going to come back and play for the Roadrunners uh, next season, but was definitely a guy that was on my radar. Um, especially now after the performance that he had there. Um, something that definitely caught my eye. And then if you're watching Houston, obviously Patrick Paul it is the name that everyone kind of wants to gravitate to. Um, Houston's length to his advantage as a pass protector. 6'7", 315. Um, you know, he, he also did a good job though pulling around. Um, so you saw the athleticism. Needs um, to just watch that his hands don't get too high. I thought the hands at times were creeping up. Um, could end up you know, getting the illegal hands in the face at times. Um, but I, I thought really the biggest thing that he was doing was u- working those hands, being able to use that length, shooting those hands underneath the pad level and playing with leverage and really not allowing that defensive end to, to get up the field at all. Um, you saw him set his feet and anchor. He's a guy that can be physical, and a lot of people are comparing him to Tyler Smith. I think that's a fair comparison. I think that's something that... Uh, uh, you know, we'll continue to watch and, and see if, if that, that comparison really holds true uh, as the season continues to move on for the Houston Cougars. 
Uh, you know, Donovan Smith, kind of an up and down game, 6'5", 230, 233 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Left a couple of passes out there, some poor decisions, throwing in a double coverage, but you know, kind of got bailed out there. Um, you know, this guy has, has the arm strength, though. That's really the thing. You see the touch, throwing some fade passes, being able to throw the football outside the numbers. Uh, there was a post uh, to Joshua Cobbs. It's really not enough air under the football. Puts the ball on a line. Uh, needs to really watch that a little bit. You know, needs to put more air under the football. But he's a redshirt junior. Likely, he'll be coming back to Houston for another season. But this was his first year after transferring in from Texas Tech. So I, I thought, all in all, it was a decent outing. Uh, Bama taking on Middle Tennessee, 56-7. to Jalen Milrow had a, had a big game, you know, 13 of 18 for 194 yards, three touchdowns, and then two touchdowns on the ground. The only Alabama quarterback to be able to do three touchdowns, you know, passing, two touchdowns running. Um, you know, I, I thought J.C. Latham, um, I was waiting to really see him have a, a breakout performance and really solidify his status as a top 10 pick. We didn't really see that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't great. It was just a solid performance. You know, I mean, I thought he definitely used his length to his advantage, but hand placement was definitely a, a concern at times watching him. Um, I thought Kool-Aid McKinstry, you know, if we're talking about a, a guy that could solidify his status as a top 10 pick um, in, in this game, you're looking at a guy like Kool-Aid McKinstry. So smooth, right on the hip of the receiver, up the field. The guy runs it out so quick with the transition, just the perfect, perfect movement. Um, sure, tackling on the receiver on a quick screen, fights through the block on the outside, only a three-yard gain there. Uh, then you saw the punt return ability, you know, the burst, explosive plays as, as a punt returner as well. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, I mean, he just he makes it look easy, and uh, that's something that I think Bama fans have to be excited about. Uh, Dallas Turner didn't really get things going. I think that was the thing that I was expecting to see, really Middle Tennessee, there wasn't a need for him to do that. We looped around from the outside, left tackle and left guard, take the defensive end, so he gets a free rush to the quarterback. Ultimately flushes uh, Nicholas uh, Badiato from the pocket. Um, I was waiting to see a little bit more from Zalen Wood, Marley Cook. They both really kind of struggled to get anything going there against Bama. Um, so we've watched them in Conference USA play. Penn State and West Virginia. Uh, Olu Fashano is an absolute freak. Um, he was almost setting up and, and getting out there a little bit too quick. The, the foot speed is ridiculous for this guy, 6'6", 308. He, he's a top five pick, no doubt about it. You know, I, I think you know, he, he could go as high as number three, but he's not getting past number five. There's no sacks a season to go you know, uh, on, on 281 pass block snaps uh, per pro football focus. Just, just so athletic. I mean, that was the thing that you just you saw. The kick slide was just so effortless. You know, he'd start outside, inside rush by the linebacker, plants, fires back inside, easily walling him off. You see, you know, just so athletic. You know, he played basketball in high school as well, so you see some of that explosiveness. Um, you know, just always got the depth that he needed in his kick slide. Um, anchors, being able to drop. They've got well underneath the pad level of Sean Martin, the defensive end there for, for West Virginia. Couldn't really get much of a rush as well. Easy kick slide on the linebacker, Trey Lathan, uh, who we absolutely engulfed. Um, there was a play where, where he sat down with his hands inside on Martin. He tried to jump to knock a pass down. Didn't really get very high because of the ability to, you know, anchored and had that grip strength. 
Uh, there was one play where Sean Martin got the best of him. You know, he got driven back a little bit on a bull rush. He tried to anchor and reset, but then Aller left the pocket, and that was when Martin was able to come off the block for a sack. So it really was more so he, as long as Aller had stayed in the pocket, there was no way he was getting by him. Once he vacated the pocket and took off, Martin was able to, to free himself and give chase and ultimately get the sack um, on the quarterback. But that was really the only only blemish uh, for, for Fashanu. But uh, I thought Curtis Jacobs showed good athleticism at the linebacker spot. Um, got you know 10 tackles and a sack. Uh, kind of delayed his blitz, hiding behind the uh, the right guard and the, and the right tackle. Quarterback steps up, able to kind of slide right in, kind of a peekaboo, and, and taking him down. Keaton Ellis showing physicality coming downhill on a tunnel screen. Um, so that was something that definitely jumped out as well. Uh, so I, I think Penn State, the ranked number seven in the country. Obviously, you got Aller, you got Singleton. Those are guys we're talking about next year's draft. Chop Robinson didn't really need to make too much of an impact. Um, he's a guy that I'm going to continue to keep an eye out for as uh, the season progresses because, you know, look, he has a chance to be a first-round pick. Is he going to be another Odafe Owe who doesn't end up with a sack on the year? You know, I, I think that's going to be a, a question mark. Or is he going to be another Arnold Abichetti who racks up, you know, a ton of stats in his senior season? You know, that's, that's going to be the, the big question mark. North Carolina taking on South Carolina. Um we talk about Gene Chizik's defense, holy cow. I think they made it a, a point to be more aggressive in just all the sacks that they were racking up. And, and nobody had had, had a, a game better than, than came on Rucker, though. With, with the three sacks and the, the five-and-a-half tackles for loss, eight total tackles, had a push-pull on the right tackle, got him off balance, rip move, near sack on Spencer Rattler on one play, quick penetration, sliding inside the right tackle to drop the running back behind the line of scrimmage. Um, drove the right tackle into the pocket on a bull rush. Comes off the block. Able to flush Rattler from the pocket there. Um, just, you, you saw the, the motor. You saw his ability, the, the rip moves, the physicality that he was playing with. You know, 6'1", 265. Just feels like a Pittsburgh Steeler. You know, one of those edge rushers. Uh, a guy that I think probably could solidify his status as a potential you know, fourth, fifth round pick. Um, Cedric Gray, look, you know, 145 tackles, 82 of those being solo at the inside linebacker spot, 6'2", 235. Speed going through the A-gap to hit Spencer Rattler right as he throws. Just needs to watch how high he hits him. Um, you saw the, the throw to you know, DK Joyner breaking on the football, blowing up that play. Blitz coming off the edge. Um, running back block, uses the hands to kind of slap, then an arm over, gets up the field, goes by the quarterback. D-line gets a push up front, able to work back to the quarterback for a sack. Um, Cedric Gray, another guy, you know, look, he's one of the best inside linebackers in the country. I think he'll be a day two pick, nine tackles, one and a half sacks on the day there. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, Devontae Walker, look, you know, Tez Walker should be playing. Unfortunately, he's not. NCAA denied that that uh, that, that appeal, uh, which is a shame because he should be playing. I mean, he could be a, a go-to weapon there for Drake May, and uh, I think he's really struggling to find that guy. I think Kobe Pacer may end up being that guy when it's all said and done. He's got three tight ends, though. Bry Bryson Nesbitt, Kamari Morales, John Copenhaver that uh, I think are going to be critical for this offense. 
Uh, the freshman, Tyshawn uh, Chapman, also looks like he has uh, some juice there on the outside. Spencer Rattler you know, was under heavy pressure all game long. 30 of 39, 353 yards on the day. Didn't get a touchdown, but uh, you saw the arm strength. You saw his ability to uh, you know, there's one play where the pocket was collapsing. He steps up and kind of uses a shovel pass to uh, Xavier Leggett on a drag route. Turned the turned up field for 23 yards. Now Xavier Leggett, holy cow! Nine catches, 178 yards. Uh, you saw 50-50 balls elevating over the corner, high pointing, full extension, 38-yard pass play. Spencer Rattler under pressure of the play before comes back to his quarterback to haul in a 21-yard pass. Um, you saw crossing routes. Um, off the bootleg, 17 yards, makes the catch. Physical, driving, continues that power, driving multiple defensive backs down the field for another eight yards, total of 25 on the play. Go route on the sideline versus Tavon Holloway. The I, I think he was playing nickel and uh, able to, to track high point it, leap the ball, jumped into the corner as, as he was hauling it in for a 25-yard play. Um, drag route coming across, as I said, with Spencer Rattler stepping up. Showed the speed running away from guys, 23-yard gain. For a guy that big, you know, at, uh, at 6'3 and 227 pounds, he played a lot lighter than uh, than you would expect, you know, a guy with his frame. So, uh, you know, I, he's a guy, you know, the question is, is vertically, you know, is, is he more of a vertical threat or is he a guy that can come in and out of his breaks? A lot of it was down the field. Um, and, and a lot of the 50-50 balls. So it's one of those things to where is he a guy that's, you know, is he an Al Alshon Jeffrey? Um, or is he a guy that could be a lot more fluid with that size? I think the, the jury's still out, but still a phenomenal, phenomenal game, that's for sure. Um, then we got to move on to uh, Michael Pratt's two-lane green wave taking on South Alabama. And uh, already talked about the, the game that Pratt had, but how about Patrick Jenkins, the 6'2", 286-pound defensive tackle, had a couple of sacks in this game. He's played over the nose, over the center on the third down, really quick off the ball, chopped down, followed by a slap, goes through the A-gap, gets to the quarterback, very quick with that burst coming downhill. Then there was a third nine play from the Tulane 11, working on the left guard. Uses his left hand to slap, right with an arm over, gets to the hole before a rip to clear it. Bends, shows good ankle flexion, bending around, getting to Carson Bradley there in, in the pocket. I think Patrick Jenkins, one of the more underrated defensive tackles, a guy that people really aren't talking about. And uh, frankly, I wish they would because he's a guy that uh, it was a lot of fun to watch uh, during that game. Uh, Yam Banks didn't really make too much of an impact in the game, did have a forced fumble, uh, but he's a guy that I think, you know, anytime I get a chance to talk about South Alabama, Yam Banks is going to be the guy I'm talking about. 6'1", 208. Um, he can line up in coverage. He can he can play the deep safety. He had six interceptions a year ago. Uh, he's a guy that I think will be playing on Sundays. Has really good size, good range. Uh, UCLA. This was a, a you know a tough game for them, taking on uh, Coastal Carolina in the Rose Bowl, but they did get it done. 27-13 final. Carson Steele. Um, look, you know he had 78 yards on the ground. Had four catches for 20 yards. This dude, you know, we know the, the strength, 650-pound squat, um, a guy that's going to drop the pad level and run over you. Um, we did see him plant, make a guy miss in the hole, and then take off for 24 yards. He's not going to run away from you by any means, um, but a guy that uh, is going to show the power. He can make one cut and really make you miss. Um, J. Michael Sturdivant, I think he's a redshirt sophomore. 
6'3", transferred from Cal, was a freshman All-American in 2022. Uh, strong after the catch with the ball in his hands, but he also has speed. Uh, go route, ran right by the corner. Dante Moore, the fabulous freshman, put it right on him, tracked it well, hauled it over his shoulder, took it to the house, 62 yards for the touchdown. Five catches, 136 yards, and a score. J. Michael Sturdivant is going to be one of those names that could sneak up on you uh, as a playmaker. But the guy that we really have to talk about for UCLA is Liatu Latu. The speed that this guy has is ridiculous. Ten and a half sacks a season ago. And uh, look, the medicals check out. Because I know, you know the concussion nearly cost him his career. Nearly, you know, He did retire there at Washington before going to UCLA and playing. But uh, if the medicals check out, he could be the number two edge rusher. Could be the number. You know, could be a, a top ten pick. Um, speed off the edge. Uses the hands so so well to swat. You know the hands are so quick and they're violent. And uh, you know he, he you know, would, would attack the hands, extends, rip through, turns the corner in a hurry. Um, he'll line up a defensive line, you know, defensive end, put his hand in the dirt if he needs to. Um, there was one play where the left tackle didn't even get his hands on him. Um, good jump off the ball, was already kind of angling to, to get to the edge after a couple of steps. Left tackle kind of puts his hand out, um, uses that, that inside hand to slap it down. Quick slap with the right arm. Hands were just so fast. Gets to the quarterback in, in a hurry. Um, starts off the edge on the outside, plants, crosses the face of the left tackle to get an inside rush. Um, really, all three sacks, I think, were in the fourth quarter, if I remember correctly. I know that they were in the second half, but I want to say that it was the fourth quarter. Third sack of the game, he was so quick off the ball, you saw a slap and a rip, bends around the edge, knocks the ball free from, from uh, Grayson McCall as he was trying to step up in the pocket. Um, you know, he was just a guy that was wreaking havoc all day long, and uh, a guy, like I said, the speed, the physicality, he's a guy that should be uh, in that conversation in the top 10. You know, 6'4", 265. I just hope, like I said, that the medicals check out for him. Grayson McCall, 271 yards, touchdown, did have a couple of interceptions. He's the only three-time Sun Belt player of the year. Uh, could be a four-time. And uh, you, know, you saw the touch off the 50-50 ball down the field. Um, I, I thought the touch throws, you know, he was hitting some of those. Um, he was tough, man. He was taking a lot of shots in the pocket. Um, some ill-advised throws that got him into trouble. That's where the picks came from. Um, the athleticism at that times, he, he tried to create it and do a little bit too much. The lack of arm strength, you do see that ball would hang up at times. Um, there was one play where Sam Pickney, his receiver, made a huge play, 29 yards down the field. It kind of hung up which allowed Pinckney to work inside of the corner and make the play. But I know that wasn't really drawn up uh, that way because it was it, it just it hung up. It was so underthrown, and uh, Pinckney was able to make a play. And speaking of Pinckney, holy cow, nine catches, 139 yards, and a score. This guy was winning 50-50 balls, elevating over corners. Um, look, he was you know, making plays in front of Devin Kirkwood, wasn't playing tight enough. Makes the catch, muscles forward for first downs. Um, mentioned that play where he, he was able to kind of use that inside hand to push the cornerback outside before making the catch and getting down the field. Um, but uh, 
you know, runs a fade route for a nine-yard touchdown, high points it, adjusts to the football in the air, leaps away from the corner as he's hauling it in, and then he goes down so that the corner's not able to even get a hand on the football as well, turns away from him. Um, ran a quarter route, able to separate from the corner. They had cover two with the safety over the top, able to catch the ball over his shoulder, extending for it, made the catch before going out for another 18-yard play. I, I thought Sam Pinkney had one hell of a game and uh, he's a receiver that we have to be talking about there in the Sun Belt for sure. I mentioned the BYU game, and uh, King, uh, Kingsley uh, Sua Mataya, uh, or Sua Mataida, uh, I was excited because this is the first chance I really got to watch him, you know, not just watching some of the clips and watching some of the All-22, I actually got to sit down and watch a full game. 6'6", 325. This is the guy, you know, you saw the athleticism. That was a thing that was on display. Uh, so easy with the kick slide. Moves moves really well. Very patient with his hands. Hand placement would get a little bit too high towards the helmet. Um, there were times where he was whiffing guys in space, though. Didn't really block anyone at times. Um, extending too far, trying to reach for the linebacker on one play. Um, ended up falling to the ground. Uh, looked to use a long arm, ended up getting up into the face mask and was called for a penalty. Um, it just seemed like he you know, was kind of out of sorts. Like, you know, he didn't really want to be playing Sam Houston. Um, was kind of It just felt like he was half-assing him a little bit because you saw the athleticism. You saw that, okay, this is the guy that's going to get the job done regardless, and he's kind of outmatching the guys that he's going up against. Uh, but I, I thought he even kind of took it for granted. You know, Chris Murray, the defensive end, shoots his hands into it, actually got into his chest and kind of did a push-pull to get the edge. Ultimately, as he's turning the corner, had to grab him for a hold. And, uh, you know, I think with Kingsley, the, the athleticism, he's one of the more athletic tackles in this year's draft. He just didn't show it in this game. And, you know, I think it's uncharacteristic of him. But at the same time, you know, it's one of those things to where if he starts putting tape like this together uh, week in and week out, the team's really going to start questioning his, uh, his motor and uh, you know, that, that desire. Um, Tyler Batty on the defensive side, uh, 6'6", 275 pounds, and uh, a guy that, look, had seven pressures in the game, uh, two hands to the chest of the left tackle to separate and rip through and get to the quarterback as he's throwing, stout against the run, arm over, gets inside, drops the running back, uses those hands so well to get off blocks. I thought that was something that really jumped out to me. Um, and then Jacob Robinson, uh, you know, 5'11", 170 pounds. Um, this was a guy that, that uh, had a couple of really nice uh, plays on the football. Uh, lined up at the goal line, second and goal from the six, in the slot, receiver runs a fade, quarterback releases the football, and he undercuts the route, elevates, makes the catch. He was kind of had his heels on the goal line and uh, really just kind of sat back and kind of just read the play, ultimately makes the pick. Um, physical down the sideline with, with the receiver, really wanted to use those hands, kind of using his arm to disrupt the play. But that physicality was kind of a you know, question mark with just how physical he was playing. Um, but uh, bail technique, eyes in the backfield, read the, the comeback route, broke on the ball with outside leverage, making a diving interception. Um, really kind of a one-arm interception, one-arm play. It's kind of extended that left arm out for the pick. Thought that that was really a nice play on the football. Rutgers against Northwestern. Watch this game. You know, 24-7 win. 
And, you know, I, Rutgers has a couple of guys that, you know, we should be interested in for, for the draft. Uh, you know, Aaron Lewis, 6'5", 260. He's only a junior. Um, you saw the physicality. There's power in his hands, speed to power, driving guys back into the backfield. Really didn't make too much of an impact. Had just one tackle, had a quarterback, uh, you know, one hit on the quarterback. But uh, you saw rip moves. You saw his guy, you know, his ability to muscle guys into the backfield. He just didn't really get home. Uh, Max Melton, the corner, six foot, 190 pounds, the junior. He jams, you know, jams the receiver at the line of scrimmage and press coverage. Quarterback rolling out, tried to throw it to one of those receivers. There were two kind of in that area. I don't know if they were setting up a screen or exactly what was going on, but the quarterback got pressured, leaping interception to give the Rutgers the ball at the Northwestern 28-yard line. Um, and then on the offensive side, really one of the best stories is Holland Pierce. This dude is absolutely ginormous. He's 6'8", 345. When he came to Rutgers, he was 455 pounds. Um, actually started at Fork, uh, Fork Union Military Academy and was that big. Worked his way down, lost over 130 pounds from, from high school. Started his career as a preferred walk-on. This guy absolutely engulfs guys in, in pass protection. He's a guy that you can really pull for. Want to continue to watch his development. Um, he took the defensive end, Richie Haggerty, on a run play, really turned him from the from the pocket, squares his shoulders to the sideline, and just absolutely had the hands underneath. He needs to watch his pad level. You saw some stiffness in his movements, but uh, you know, he was able to pick a defensive end up on, on the inside rush, showed that he could move laterally and, and make that play. Um, kicking out defensive ends and pass protection, just driving him away from the line of scrimmage uh, and driving him away from the pocket. He was a guy that was a lot of fun to watch on the offensive side. So, look, Rutgers, they get their first win there in Piscataway. Um, and there are some guys that you should be tuning in to watch, uh, you know, Scarlet Knights football when we're talking about the next level. Um, I mentioned Oregon State. We've already talked about DJ just a little bit. Uh, Damian Martinez is one cut and go running back, six foot, 232 pounds. But the offensive line play, that was really what I thought was, was a lot of fun to watch. And they're two different players. Joshua Gray is 6'4", 288. It's all about uh, being light on your feet. Easy knee bender, hands under the pad level, drives him away from the pocket. You see uh, him generating movement, leaning on the defensive end. Even when he gets beaten by the end, has that recovery to get back down the field, gets those hands under, driving the guy away from the pocket. You see the change of direction as well. And then Taliese Fuaga. The 6'6", 334-pounder, the right tackle. This dude is so strong at the point of attack. Uses those hands, the violent punch. Uh, there was one play where he, he put this punch on the defensive end, and he basically took two or three steps back after those, those hands are floating into him. But you see the quick feet as well. So when he has the quick feet coupled with the upper body strength, he clears his man out and just really dominates. Uh, and I thought that was really a lot of fun to watch. You know, DJ had a lot of time on a 30-yard pass play to Jeremiah Noga, and it was interesting to watch both of these guys. Um, with, with Fuaga um, on that play, I think DJ must have had five or six seconds. But you know, he showed off the power in his hand. He shoves the defensive end. He's trying to get the edge. Active hands, power to shove him away, and ultimately just kind of shoves him down to finish the block. Versus Joshua Gray slides inside to pick up the defensive end on the inside you know inside move he tries to get back outside sits down and slides with them very quick feet change of direction to then drive him down the field 
Um, you know, it was just one of those things to where you saw the speed and the power between the two, left tackle, right tackle. I, I think Joshua Gray ultimately is going to kick inside the guard at the next level. I think that's really going to be the big thing that we're going to see there. Um, and then for Florida State, can we talk about Keon Coleman. This dude is my wide receiver too. 6'4", 215 pounds. I know I, I shouldn't be waiting until over an hour into the podcast to be talking about Keon Coleman. 6'4", 215 Played basketball for Tom Izzo at Michigan State, so two-sports star there for the Spartans. This guy was attacking the football, looked like a, a basketball player at the receiver position. Runs a fade from the slot, safety major burns 10 yards off the ball, eats up the cushion, uh, high points the football against the 6'2 safety, attacks the ball in the air like a rebound. Strong hands, got vertical on the outside, at the stem, kind of uses those arms, extends into the body of the corner, deuce uh, chestnut. Uh, the transfer from Syracuse gets inside leverage, has a step on on him, tracks it well over the shoulder, makes a play for 40 yards, 10-yard touchdown to the wide side, fade, keeps a, you know, his hand on the corner, and then elevates, adjusts the football, thrown on the back shoulder. Also showed late hand, so the corner couldn't really make a play on the football. That dude's an absolute stud. And then Jared Verse. Got to talk about Jared Verse. Um, Jared Verse. Um, the speed rush coming off the edge beats Will Campbell chops down on the hands tremendous bend turning the corner flattens out to the quarterback uh, ultimately hits Jaden Daniels hits the arm for a forced fumble ultimately called an incompletion because it looks like the arm might have been coming forward but you know, there's a reason why he had a 17% pressure rate um, last year according to Pro Football Focus and then one other name to mention is Braden Fisk 6'5", 297 from West, uh, Western Michigan. Um, just so stout at the point of attack. That was one of the things that you saw, the low center of gravity holding the point, taking away the running lanes. But uh, you saw the burst coming up the field as well. Splitting the left guard the le- and the center. Ultimately, the, the first step quickness, you saw that time and time again. Sliding off the right, right shoulder of, of, the, of the center holding the point, extending those arms while engaged, um, able to wrap up the the, the the running back Noah Kane for no gain. Um, so I, I think his presence there at defensive tackle is going to also um, be something to keep an eye out for. Um, Clemson and Duke, we talked about the quarterback play. We talked about R.J. Oban and, and his ability. Um, you know, I, I thought the linebackers, Jeremiah Trotter showed really good – lateral quickness, his ability to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. I thought Barrett Carter disappeared at times. I thought Andrew Makuba would come downhill and, and make some plays. Um, you know, physicality to his game, that was something that you definitely saw from him. Uh, Ruka Roro and, and Tyler Davis I thought were average. You know, they, they didn't play up to their ability, um, so that was really surprising to see. Um, I, I thought that one thing, you know, Will Putnam the center, actually played really well. He could be a top five center in this year's draft class. Um, but it was just kind of a whole hump performance there for Clemson. Duke really took it to him. I think uh, Clemson was kind of shell-shocked. and They never really snapped out of it. And, uh, you know, Duke, yeah, they're for real. You know, tune in whenever Wallace Wade Stadium is, is rocking because, you know, the Cameron Crazy is moving there. It's going to be interesting to see, I think, Tom Luganville on the broadcast and, and company they were wanted to term them the, the Wallace Wackos, and uh, you know they were storm, already getting ready, lining up, getting ready to storm the field, and uh, 
it was a party there. I think Mike Elko really has something going. I think there's something that can, be, can, can really be sustained. So I think that's something that's going to be intriguing to, to keep an eye out for as well. Um, so that's everything that I got to see there at week one. Everyone that I got to watch. Week two, there are a lot of games that I'm going to want to keep an eye out for as well. Um, just looking at things, obviously Colorado against Nebraska. Can uh, they do that at home? Um, I, I think you're going to see Shudor Sanders, Travis Hunter and company have a big, big game once again. Ole Miss taking on Tulane. I think Michael Pratt going up against the SEC. Let's see just how good this quarterback is. Patrick Jenkins getting after uh, Jackson Dart as well. I think that's something to keep an eye out for. For sure, that'll be a fun game to watch. Oklahoma taking on SMU. Want to see what that defense can do uh, against an SMU offense that wants to air it out. Obviously, the game at night is going to be Bama and Texas. What can Texas do? Can they slow things down? Quinn Ewers, the quarterback, much more experienced than uh, Jalen Milrow. Um, can that line put pressure on the quarterback, on Milrow? Um, I'm looking at Jalen Ford. I think he's going to have to have a big game. And then you know, with Texas offensively, who is Kool-Aid McKinstry going to be covering? Is it going to be A.D. Mitchell? Is it going to be Xavier Worthy? That's something that I'm going to be curious about. Can Dallas Turner turn things up and get after the quarterback? That's going to be an interesting. I think Texas has, has a really good shot to beat Bama this year. Um, I, I, I think Bama, you know, needs a needs a good test to really see where they're at. Uh, Wisconsin taking on Washington State. You know, I'm going to be curious to see how this this game plays out. Um, you know, I think Washington State has a chance to win, um, but Washington State's going to have to slow down Braylon Allen. That's going to be the, the thing that I think if Wisconsin wants to win, it's going to be on uh, the shoulders of, of Braylon Allen. Stanford and USC to kind of close things out. Um, the night game, the night cap, if you will. Uh, and Caleb Williams is going to have to watch out for David Bailey. If David Bailey is lining up against Jonah Monheim, there's going to be at least two to three plays where he's going to be coming free. Caleb Williams is going to have to show that he can make plays and, and avoid that. Uh, they're also going to have to showcase... Uh, on defensively, the ability to stop uh, Benjamin Urosic. They've got some bigger receivers as well, so the cornerback play really has to be stepped up and elevated. You know, I think Tro the Trojan defensive line has gotten better. I think that's really the big thing to note. You know, Bear Alexander, only a sophomore. Anthony Lucas, only a sophomore. So these guys are going to be back. I think Keon Bars, a guy that is a senior, you know, the transfer from Arizona. I uh, expect to see him play stout defense up front Jack Jack Sullivan similarly um, and then Jamil Mohammed bringing that speed coming off the edge I think that's something that I'm gonna be looking forward to and really you know you've got an inexperienced quarterback like Ashton Daniels on the back end of the defense can a guy like Kalen Bullock bait him into making a making a mistake and uh, making him pay I mean this guy look you know he he has the range over the top and uh, you know, just watch that Cal game. Just when you think that the receivers open down the field, he's able to get all the way over. It looks video game-like almost, covering all that ground to make a play on the football. So there, there's a lot of lot of games to, to be excited about here in week two. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. So until next time, everyone, for ReadyForTheDraft.com, this has been the Ready For The Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your weekend of football. And until next time, I am out of here.